Well, we're going to get into some good stuff tonight. We are in, um, by my records here of messages I've done uh, in this series called Real Life. This is part 72, okay? But that's over the course of almost two and a half years. And um, real life, because we want to talk about things that we actually can walk out of here and they're, they're impacting, affecting our, our real life. And so the last couple of weeks, and uh, last week I was gone. Uh, we were at a conference, uh, the ARC conference. We're part of a group called the Association of Related Churches. And they're doing a wonderful job. We want to make you more and more aware of what they're doing. Uh, not only is it such a, a help for pastors and churches, but they're planting churches all over the place. And uh, with great success. And it's just wonderful. I love the hearts of these guys. And uh, last week, I uh, took some of our team up. We were in Jacksonville for our, what they call the all-access meetings and just wonderful meetings. And last Wednesday afternoon, one of our uh, scheduled speakers was Pastor Rick Warren to be here. And if you've been watching the news at all, we know situation with uh, Pastor Rick's son passing. So this was the first public anything he had done since th- that horrible situation and they actually skyped him in he didn't come to me but they skyped him in and had just a massive uh screen that he was on and um about four thousand pastors or so we just immediately just just stood and you know honored and loved on that guy because what a blessing what a, a strength he is to the to the a gift he is to the body of christ and uh, what a moment that was and and here's the the takeaway he's just had Worst of tragedies to happen. He's still in, in fresh, fresh pain. And beyond all of that, and you may not even believe this. I don't want to believe it. But there's people who even call them Christians who write bad things about him and, 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 and you know, that his theology has failed because his son is dead and just, just horrible things. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just can't reconcile all of that. And so on top of the injury of it all is the insult of it all. And yet here's what I saw a man poised and full of the presence and truth of God who knows what he believes. He knows who he believes, knows who he belongs to. And and I thought I want to be more and more that kind of man that no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what's happening in the world, that you're able, you're able to just hold it together and know that God is faithful and God will see me through and just a, just a wonderful thing. So that's part of what we're doing with real life, too, is so that we can have hold of these things. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I started teaching on Wednesday night about New Testament instruction. So the New Testament tells us specifically some things that we are to be doing, how to conduct ourselves as believers. And it's one thing to just fall in love with God and Jesus and get excited about that and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve God. But you know what? We've got to be trained. Hello, church, y'all here, y'all. We, we, we got to be trained. We got to know what the word says. And I hope that you're in the word for yourself. But also we have the benefit of coming all together. You know, when we come to times like this so that we can teach and learn. So we're going to look in Romans chapter 12. And it's amazing tonight. I'm going to spend the whole time on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten words. Okay, so we're going to take ten words out of Romans 12, verse 12. And we're going to spend our whole time on it tonight. And you're going to be better off because of it. Okay, I need, I need all y'all to ratchet it up just a little, little bit here. Okay? All right, good. How many of you know if, if, if grandma cooked an incredible meal and came out and set that thing in front of me and you went, eh, thanks. You know, that, 
that's not going to go well either, okay? Well, Grandma's been cooking, all right? So let's, let's get ready here. Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Will you read that with me? Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I want to read it to you from the New Living Translation as well. It says, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. So we have, we have three things here, that three subjects actually, and we've got hope, and we've got tribulation, and we've got prayer. So everybody say hope, tribulation, and prayer. And these go together kind of naturally. And the combination is uniquely, and you're going to hear me say this several times tonight, this is uniquely Christian that this goes together, unique to Christianity. And they go together, they work together, they're natural partners, and you need to keep them together, okay? You need to keep them together. One of the common things, now if I say that this is unique to Christianity, one of these things, one of these subjects here is common to all men. Which one would it be? Tribulation. Tribulation. And I'm so glad that we have the bookends. Come on. That we're not without hope. And that we actually believe in prayer. And we know that prayer works. Just informal, non-scientific survey. How many of you have had some prayers work for you before? Okay, there you go. And how many of you had some tribulation? Ah, same folks. And so we want to keep all, all of this, all of this together here. Now, tribulation, let me just, um, define it for you out of the Greek. The New Testament's written in Greek. Uh, philipsis is the word. Don't want to have to worry about that. But what it means is this distress. And, and I want you to just do this for me. I don't want to wear you out tonight, but I, I, I don't think everybody exercised today. So we'll just, we'll get a little bit in. Okay. So as I, as I call these things out, you know, if you've had any of this, maybe currently or, or whatever, you just, just kind of let me know. Okay. This would be good exercise for us tonight. Tribulation actually means, um, distress, pressure, Ooh. affliction to feel burdened, persecuted, trouble, Here's some of the roots, the root words out of it. Crush. Press. Compress. Squeeze. Did y'all get your exercise in? All right. Everyone has this. Everyone has tribulation. Everybody has trouble, pressure, stress. We, all of us have that. And we have it at different levels. How many of you have felt some days it's like, Howdy duty, you know, you just got that kind of pressure. Come on. And then other days you're like zippity doodah. Okay. They're related, but they're off opposite ends there. I'm sure I'll look it up in the Greek, but we have seasons of pressure, 
Some of those are necessary. You know, sometimes you're, you're working on a project or whatever, and there's pressure, there's deadlines, there's things. That go, and there's a pressure that goes, goes with that. And then other times you've got, you know, a situation. You're being treated for something or, you know, you've got a pending situation or court or, you know, a health issue, what, whatever it would be. And you've got those things going on. So we have levels. We have seasons. How many of you know we also have some reasons for some tribulation, sometimes it's, it's, it's people that you hooked up with that you probably shouldn't have hooked up with. I'm just saying. And uh, um, things that we've done. How many of you know some of our tribulation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dare to say it, is self-inflicted. More on this side over it. You know why? I just think y'all are honest. Uh, uh, so I'm going to give you another chance. How many of you know that some tribulation could be self-inflicted? Okay. Now, I'm not saying all. I'm not, we're, not, we're not about condemning folks, but we've got to figure this out. Now, in John 16, in the Amplified, Jesus said, and this is in the Amplified Bible, so it's going to bring out some things for us. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, in him, in Christ, you may have perfect peace and confidence. But I want you to notice this next statement right in the middle here. He said, in the world... In the world, everybody say in the world, that's where we live in the world. You have tribulation. Now I will just bookmark there just for a moment. I don't care who you are in the world. If you're here, see, it don't matter who you are. That reminds me of a little joke. Can I throw it in? Somebody said, I, how'd you sleep? Good. I slept like a baby. He said, that's good. He said, no, that's not good. I woke up screaming for no reason and I wet myself. So, <laughs> All right. We, we should just close in <laughs> prayer now. All right. No. All right. In the world, I don't care who you are. You have tribulation, and notice what it says here, and trials, and distress, and frustration. Have you all had any of those things? Okay. And here's what he says. But take, but be of good courage, uh, good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I, Jesus, have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. Now, Paul instructs us, and what we're going to do, we're going to shoot to the middle here to start with. Paul instructs us to be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. I heard somebody say, wow, and that's, that's the truth of that. Be patient in tribulation. Let's look at the word patient here just for a moment. That's the response. New Testament believers, okay? We know that Jesus... Died for us, lives in us. We have the Holy Spirit to empower our life. New Testament believers, that's us. The called for response. What is expected of us, the level of response that we should be able to come up with is in all those things that we talked about, pressure, stress, is that we should be able to be patient. Mm. Well, let's see what patient means. Patient, that's right. Patient means to stay under, to remain, to persevere, to stay constant, 
to bear up under. Let me kind of put it in our terms, okay? It means that you've got pressure, you've got situations going on, and, and, and watch me for this, and you are able to keep it together. You are able to remain virtually unchanged. And we're probably thinking, I, I don't, I hadn't been doing that. I don't know if I can do that. Well, we're going to show you that you can and how, how you can. You can't do it in your own strength. But you do have to know some things and you do have to put out some effort. And then what God, God will help you. But to remain virtually unchanged. Let me go back to Pastor Rick Warren again. Here, here he was in the 15, 20 minutes that he spoke to us by way of a video. He had humor and he's a very funny guy. He had humor. He had truth. He had principles. He had poise. He had authenticity. Now, we knew he was going through something, but you know what? The written transcript, and boy, I took some notes coming out of that too because he laid out some stuff. Because let me tell you something. Your biography, what you live, really enriches your theology. See, if you, if you just have a theology that you haven't lived something out, then you haven't proven that you really believe what you say you believe. And so here he is in a horrible situation, but you know what? He's not... He's not panicking. He's not running all. And I'm sure he's had just times of just collapsing. I'm sure. But, you know, ultimately we could remain virtually unchanged in our life. We got pressure going on. But no one has to make excuses for us. Well, he's under a lot of pressure. You know, I, I never want to be that kind of dad. Don't go near dad. Don't say nothing. Dad's under a lot of pressure. I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we've got some powerful things that are going to help make the difference here. Just a moment, we'll get to it. The historical context here, and you have to look, we have to be, we have to be responsible in, you know, how we translate, how we interpret what Scripture says. So what's going on at this point that Paul is talking about being patient in tribulation, you know, rejoicing in hope, being devoted constant in prayer. What is going on? This will help us to understand. In AD 49, you can read about it in Acts 18. I think it's about verse 9. You don't, you don't need to look there right now. But there was something given called the, the Edict of Claudius. Claudius was the fourth Roman emperor. And he was not friendly toward Christianity. And he was not friendly uh, toward this new thing that's taking over the world and Christianity is spreading like crazy. And many of the Jews were, were becoming Christians. You know, thousands of Jews, uh, quickly changed their Sabbath to the Lord's day, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, this was a real big game changer that's going on. And Claudius decides to run every Jew out of Rome. So get them out. So there's so much ministry going on and Paul is writing to the Romans. And in addition to this, he was clamping down. He said, now I don't want you Christians meeting. Now, can you imagine? They're already under the heavy hand of, of Rome. And now this new life has come to them. Their lives have changed People are coming to know Jesus as Savior. Powerful things are going on. And then you've got, you've got this unreasonable Roman emperor. And how many of you know that it, 
you didn't just get a slap on the wrist if you disobeyed edicts, you know. And so he's, he's saying, I don't want you meeting in houses. We really don't want to see you congregating together. Stay out of the temple, stay out of the synagogues and so forth. And we want all the Jews, get out of town, get out of town. So you know what that might would be called? Tribulation right there. So it's a real deal stuff that's going on. And Paul is instructing them here. And this is something you can't just will to happen, that I'm going to be patient in tribulation. Your will is involved. As I said, there's some effort involved, but we got to have some help. So if I number these, let's just go one, two, three. What we're going to need, the bookends to be able to do number two. We want to keep these together, but let's look at rejoicing in hope and being constant in prayer so that in, in the end, we're able to be patient in tribulation. Y'all still with me tonight? All right. To be able to rejoice in hope, again, that's unique to Christianity. Um, rejoice, um, you know, there's a lot of definition for what that might would mean. Let me just tell you just our terms. It's to be glad. To be glad. I think believers should be glad. Should be glad. Should be glad. St. Augustine, or Augustine, as he's also called, he said a believer should be a hallelujah from head to toe. Now, that's not just because we're supposed to do that, be at church, praise the Lord, good to see you. Yuck. But instead, that there's something very real that's happening. and something very real that you know. And something very real that you are experiencing, have experienced, and that you expect to experience. What's that called? Hope. That you have hope. And that makes you glad. You know, if you are without God in the world, you're without hope in the world. And we have God with us. Let, Let me just ask you this question. What happens when the people who are supposed to be the hope of the world no longer have hope? then the church is a dead, dry, religious institution. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. What happens when the people who are supposed to be the hope of the world no longer have hope? We lose. Let me take it a little bit further, because I think here's the first symptom. What happens when the people who are supposed to be the hope of the world no longer have hope for the world? We should have hope for the world. We should have hope for people in your life. We should not be the hopeless folks. We should be full of hope and so much hope that we are what? We're glad. We're glad. Now, when hope vanishes, joy evaporates. And we're not rejoicing. Listen, we're not rejoicing in our tribulation. We're not rejoicing for that. I'm not glad because of pressure and stress and and things like that. Not happy about that. But rejoicing because you have hope. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Because here we are telling Christians to to rejoice. And some people would say, you know, I already think that Christians are out of touch with reality. And now with all the trouble that's in the world, Christians are, you're calling Christians to rejoice. Just be these happy people. 
with all the trouble in the world. It's, it's not about being out of touch. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about the good news. It's about the gospel. That there's a broken, sin-laden world and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into that broken world. And then ultimately went to the cross. Y'all follow me on this? This is the gospel. Went to the cross and bore the full weight of sin and brokenness on the cross was buried on the third day by the power of God in a supernatural way. God raised him from the dead. And now here's what happened. Resurrection power is released. And the result of that is sin, death, and brokenness no longer have the last word. And that produces in us a hope. Death is not going to have the last word. Sin doesn't have the last word. Brokenness, brokenness in my life, in your life, it doesn't have the last word anymore. And you know what that does? It gives me hope. I've got hope for people that are under sin and people with broken lives. I've got hope for all of us. And it's not in me. It's not in government. It's not in some Pollyanna, just kind of whatever. It's hope in the gospel that all that God came to do, he did. And he released a power to make a difference here and now in this life, in this world where we have tribulation. Amen. Hope sees a future. And hope brings that future to us. Now, we don't hope for what we have. Okay, follow this. And Scripture talks about it. You know, if, if I'm... I, I made myself for lunch today an incredible sandwich. Can I get a better amen? All right. I mean, it was, I, I built it. And it was just good. And then I'm eating that thing and I thanked God for it. I prayed for my food, but I didn't have hope for my sandwich anymore. I wasn't hoping I could have one. I was having it. So hope's not about that. Hope sees a future. Now get this. It sees a future. It sees something out there. There's a reason for hope. Peter says that you've got to be ready to give a reason for your hope. Let me tell you where you, where you get hope. You get hope from God. Amen. You get hope from his word. Well, the scripture even talks about that we draw hope and encouragement from the scriptures. I think you also get hope from being around other people who have hope. Amen. Amen. You hang around a bunch of moly grubbers, negative people. You'll become like them. Listen, you become like who you hang out with. And so we've got... We've got to expose ourselves in so many ways to God's presence and to God's word and to God's people. And we're going to have hope in our life. But hope then sees what needs to happen and knows it's coming. But there's got to be a reason for the hope. Otherwise, it's just wishing. So if you're stuck in the mud up to your floorboard and you break out your cell phone and you call Bill's tow truck, service. And they say, we're on our way. We'll be there as soon as we can. I don't know exactly, but I know they're coming. So instead of sitting stuck in the mud, pouting, 
Guess what I now have? Hope. Am I still stuck? I'm still stuck, but I've got hope. Why do I have hope? Because I made, I made some contact here. I have a promise of something. It's coming. Before I left the house tonight, um, uh, my son Lee and daughter-in-law Katie and little Gavin, they were over to eat, eat an early dinner. And Katie's due with our, our second grandchild in about two weeks. And she's beautiful. I hadn't seen her yet. Just hoping. But Katie is carrying just, and, she, and she's just beautiful, poised, godly young woman. And she's, she's carrying baby Cora. And I can't wait to see this baby. And I have, I have what? Hope. I don't have the baby yet. I didn't see Cora. I, I saw some evidence. <laughs> but here, here's what hope does. Hope sees the future. And so you know what that does? And I've already kind of gone there, you know, mentally a little bit, you know, and I've been praying for the delivery already and so forth. I'm, I've already kind of been there a little bit. I've had five kids of my own. I have... My, my little grandson stuff. So been, been there for all of those things. And you know what? Those are happy, happy, happy days. Well, you know what? Me just thinking that in about two weeks, little baby chorus come. We don't have her yet. We can't hold her, touch her, kiss her, look at her. But she's coming. And you know what? I have this clear hope about here. So you know what it does to me? It makes me what? It makes me glad. It makes me happy. So if I'm stuck in the mud or I got a, a grandbaby coming, you know, hope, you need to, you need to find the hope. So let, let me just show you something here. If this is your tribulation, and let's say that it's, I got some stress and some financial stuff and then the doctor and, and, and all this stuff. And so we've got tribulation right here. Well, we've got to get, We've got to get to where we can be patient in this tribulation. I need something to help me right here. So what I've got to get ahead of me, if this is the timeline of my life going into my future, then I have two levels of hope, okay? I've got, first of all, that based on the promises of God, and let me just ask you this, are the promises of God only for after we die and once we get to heaven? Did you know there's some people that teach that? And they need to read their Bible. Need to read their Bible because most of the promises you wouldn't need in heaven. You, you wouldn't even need that in heaven. That wouldn't even be an issue in heaven. So the promises, for every problem, there is a, there's a promise. So here's the problem. I need to get a hold of a promise. And what that promise will do, it will produce in me some hope and some gladness. That this is going to get better. That God would help me with this. Now, you're not going to have perfection this side of heaven. You're not. You're going to have seasons where, where things are going to feel really, really good. But you know what you're going to learn to do? We're going to learn to travel through this land. And, and we're going to have to deal with stuff. But here's the thing. In tribulation, I can end up being patient in my tribulation if I have some hope that this would get a little better. How many of you have ever really, really banged your funny bone before? Does anybody even know why they call that funny? 
You know, and you feel like your fingers are coming off, you know, and, and you're holding it and everything else is just burning and shooting through. But if you've done that once, then you know what is going to happen in a few minutes. It's going it's to feel better. It's going to feel better. I, I remember one time I had to take Gabriel when he was probably about seven or so to have blood drawn. Uh, they were checking him for some allergies or some stuff. And I mean, he asked me 11,000 questions on the way. How big of a needle? How bad does this hurt? And just, and just all that kind of thing, you know. And then once he'd had that done, though, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. And we learn that it may feel really bad right now. I know it's not always going to feel this bad. Here's a wonderful thing that Scripture says on a number of occasions. It came to pass. It came to pass. Let, let me just ask you, how many of you have been in a situation before and you thought, this is it, this is the end, this, it's over, I just, I, we're never going to get out of this, and now you're out of it? Yes. And you feel better? Come on, anybody? You feel better and work out? And how many of you know God was involved in that? God was involved in that. And so you've got to have some hope that somewhere right out in front of me, somewhere soon, this is going to get better. And then you've got your ultimate hope. Ultimate hope that there ain't, and I'm saying it on purpose, there ain't going to be none of this crud. It's going to be entirely different. Let me read to you here from um, 2 Corinthians 4.17 in the New Living. It says, for our present troubles, present troubles, same word in the Greek for tribulation. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Listen to it in the Message Bible. I love this. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. Isn't that wonderful? Now, it, how many of you know it doesn't really feel like small potatoes sometimes? But compared, compared to the ultimate hope, oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. So we've got to have these hope. And if I, if I have that hope out in front of me, then I can rejoice. Now let's shoot to the other bookend here, and that's prayer. Prayer. And Paul said that you need to be continuing in prayer, continuing steadfast. One translation says, keep on praying. This also is unique to Christianity. It's to keep on praying. It's to be faithful in prayer. It's constant in prayer. It's an energy in prayer. And can I please emphasize that to everybody? When you worship God, when you serve God, when you pray, when you're trying to learn, put something into it. Sleepy, sloppy religion will not do anything for you. Put something into it. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Put something into it. And I'm telling you, God will meet you there. And we're not trying to stir something up, but, but come on. You know, what if on the price is right, they said, so-and-so, come on down. And some guy just. They go, cut, cut, cut. And God's better. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. God is better than the price is right. Okay. Now, 
But put something into prayer. It also has the idea to remain in prayer and get this, to continue throughout and to bring to an end, which means this. And I do believe, I do believe that we pray and believe that God answers and we thank him. But I do think there's an extreme view that some faith teachings hold. Did you just pray? It's all over. Thank him. Never, never think about it again. I think that you need to lean on that thing and keep some faith pressure on that thing and keep bringing it up to God and bring it up to God. Not, not desperate all over again, but God, I thank you. Just, just lay in. I thank you, God, for your promise. I thank you that you, by your Holy spirit and by your angels and by people that you're sending and by your power, you're working on this thing. And I would just stay in that attitude of prayer, hanging on, as they used to say, the horns of the altar until we get through this thing. I, I don't think we need to just go, well, Lord, just thank you. And it's done. And I thank you. Amen. Now, it's kind of cavalier to me. And I'm going to tell you that the real deals in my life, the real situations in my life, you, you lock on and you stay on. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe most of your prayers. And I thank you, God, that you've heard me. And I thank you for that. Your word says this about that. And your word says that about that. And I believe your word and I'm holding on for that. And Continue to work in that. Continue to change that heart. Continue to move on that situation. Whatever, whatever it would be. I think there's, there needs to be a constancy in prayer. Well, what are we praying about? We're praying about this. This pressure, this stress, this, this mess here. And staying constant in prayer. Let me, let me show you something real quick, then we're going to wrap this tonight. In Acts 1.14, it's the pattern of Christianity. It says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Notice they devoted themselves, cut to the end, to prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote, and it's the same word as constant in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let me tell you something. Get this, and then, and then I'm going to bring this to an end here tonight. Prayer for the believer is your crisis mechanism. And so I want to encourage you as strongly as I can to reject your old crisis mechanisms. I know of people, I've watched it happen in a whole lot of years of ministry, that when the pressure's on, here's what they do. They don't do what's uniquely Christian. They go back and do something that helped them get some kind of relief before. And so maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's anger, maybe it's, you know, closing off the world and just sleeping for three weeks or whatever. Crisis mechanisms. Let me tell you, you have the most incredible crisis mechanism to be able to pray to a living God and ask him, I, I need you to help me. I need some grace. I need some peace in this situation. And he'll do it. Make this your crisis mechanism prayer. Now let me finish. Keep a clear view of hope. And when you get hope for here, in the near future, and for the ultimate, you're going to be glad. You're going to be glad. And then concerning the tribulation, pray. And be constant in prayer. Stay in there. Grab hold of this thing and say, God, it's going to be me and you till this thing's all done. You're not trying to change God's mind. You're just staying right there with him. You're riding with him as he, as he works this thing out. Keep bringing it up. You know, if you've got a, a sick child or a bad financial situation or whatever, you know, 
don't be worrying and, and crying and bawling about that thing. Pray. Let me share one other scripture with you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 in the message. Don't fret or worry. It's in the message again, so get ready. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Can you say amen to that? So, Paul said what? There's, there's trouble. Everybody's got it. And what you need to do is be patient in that. Well, fat chance, Paul, that I can be patient in this. No, there's full chance you can be patient. That you can remain constant and steady and not come undone even during this tribulation. If you have hope. And that hope will cause you to rejoice. That's related to joy. And joy is strength. And if you'll remain devoted to prayer, make your crisis mechanism, make how you handle this, make this prayer. I'm telling you, something's going to come together with hope and prayer to enable you, to empower you, to be able to be patient and constant during tribulation and troubles. Amen? Thank God for His Word. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you.